We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Look, in case you haven't heard the news, Blue Wire has teamed up with Greg Olson to launch his brand new pod called TE1. Greg sat down with some of the best tight ends in the league's history to talk about the evolution of the tight end position. Panthers fans, you're not going to want to miss out on listening to your old pal. Chop it up with some of the best to ever lace him up, from Mike Ditka to George Kittle. All the way down to Cole Commit, we have you covered. Check the description box for a link to the feed or just search TE1 anywhere you listen to your pods. And just like Greg revolutionized the tight end position, you can revolutionize your football experience with NFL Sunday Ticket by DirecTV. Catch all the out of market games every week on all your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Go to NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code. Blue Wire at checkout for 15% off. That's NFL Sunday Ticket.tv, promo code Blue Wire. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve oh! Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater throwing to the end zone. Touchdown! Samuel still on his feet inside the five to the end zone. Touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. All right, Panthers fans, we are back. Another great edition of the Roar Podcast on Blue Wire Network. It's John Ellis, Billy Marshall, and a special, special guest here. A name you know well in Panthers lore. He's currently the running backs coach at UCLA, but you know him best from that one-yard run that took forever in Philadelphia on that cold night, January 2004. It's our friend Deshaun Foster. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? Oh, we're doing fantastic. Here's the question. How are you doing? You're a running backs coach in the NCAA right now, and things are crazy. How are you holding up? Just trying to just try to be strong for my guys. You know, uh, they're a little disappointed the season was postponed. So, you know, just trying to be there for them, keep them mentally um, in the right direction, and just make sure my guys are just getting better each day. It's been a fascinating 25, now 26 years with the Carolina Panthers. The cardiac cat season, let's start there. I mean, you're just you're talking about, you know, your injury in 02 and 
how rough that was. And, and you're, you're thrown right into a situation in 03 where you were right there with Stephen Davis making impact plays as a second-year guy, basically a rookie there. What did that season feel like for Deshaun Foster? It's kind of a blur, really, you know, just uh, just how fast it went by. You know, I just wanted to get back out there and just be able to produce any way possible after coming off microfracture. So it was just so happy we ended up going to the Super Bowl that year. So it, was just, it was pretty exciting, but, you know, it was just good. Just like you said, just uh, reminiscing with the guys and getting back with them and, and just talking about the season because you kind of forget a little bit of things. And then once guys bring it up, you remember again. But, you know, it was such a – it was such a run for us, you know, we, we, we just never gave up, you know, that's where the cardiac cats uh, came from, but it was just us getting out there and always uh, putting our best foot forward. Even if we were down, we were just still fighting, you know, so it was, uh, it was just a good team that we're on. John Fox, to me, I always admired the way he came into this program in 02 and much like Matt Rule, I think he's trying to do now and set a certain energy for what the expectations are moving forward. How much did you appreciate his approach not only to the commitment to the running game, you know, 21, 22 personnel, ground and pound. Give us some insight into what it was like playing for Foxy. He's just a good coach. You know, um, being as my first coach at NFL and and just the way he interacted with us, the way he was um, – oh, you, you, you could talk to him if you needed to. You know, it was just he was always there for you. So, Fox is a good coach. You know, and then being, me being a running back in a situation where I play defense and run the rock. I was with that, you know, so it was a, we had a really good scheme, you know, we we're running the win and pass a score, you know, Smitty could get past anybody and Moose do the same thing. So, you know, we had a, a really good offense and it was just good that we were able to capitalize on the when, when we did, you know, it kind of sucked. Cause I, I was with more pictures at the Super Bowl and videos and stuff like that. Cause you know, your second year, you're thinking you're going to go back a, a little, a couple more times, but right. you know, it was just, um, it was just, it's, it's good to have those memories though. It's great to connect with guys like you and just remind you how much the fan base and analysts like myself appreciate some of those great moments because they do get lost in time. Yeah, I was really talking to my brother about the uh, St. Louis game, and it's yeah. good that that was celebrated, you know, last week. But that game sort of got forgotten in the annals of history as one of the great double overtime games in the history of the sport. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm fascinated to know what your relationship was with Stephen Davis. And he was obviously just a, a bull of a runner. And you were in your own right, but you definitely had a second year that Steve may not have had in his later years. What did he do for you from a mentorship perspective and, and all that good stuff in that 03, 04, 05 time frame? It was just basically teach me how to be a pro. You know, just take me under my wing, teach me how to watch film, how to evaluate each thing, how, you know, just, just watching him hit certain holes, you know, because being a different type of runner, I'm seeing different things than Steven would see. So it was just good to to be in there in the meeting room and see what he's seeing and then just um, just learning from him daily. You know, he was a he was a guy that worked, so it was just good to, to see a veteran come around like that. And and you know, him coming to us, he really had something to prove, and he really wanted to come out there and, and go. And it was just good that it all worked out. And it was just a blessing that I was able to be under a veteran that could uh, that's able to, that was confident in his ability enough that he'll teach me how to become a great bat. Hey, Deshaun, thanks for joining us. And speaking of that, um, just looking back at your pre-draft, uh, I mean, you had some elite agility. Yeah. I mean, you posted a 4.16 short shuttle and a 6.82 three cone, which um, is 
probably like 90th percentile in my opinion. When, you know, as a running backs coach yourself, what do you look for in when you're scouting running backs on the high school trail? And even, you know, if you are taking a glimpse at prospects who are uh, coming to the NFL. Number one thing is contact courage. Like, I want to see how he, you know, does he curling up at contact? Does he, does he enjoy contact? Just what happens? Because being a running back, you're going to get hit. So, you got to – I need to know, that can he take contact, can he give contact, and can he recover from contact? Those are my number one things. And then you, you start getting into the things that make you a good back. Can he catch out of the backfield? Can he protect on third down? Um, how quick is he? You know, is he, is he doing anything in the pass game? You know, so – you know, being a uh, like for the NFL level, most of those guys now you got to be a two-way back. You know, mm-hmm. you, gotta, you know, just the elite guys are like that. You know, we have Chubbs and and Henry that are still just running the ball, just running backs. But everybody else is t- pretty much catching a lot of passes out of the backfield. You know, Christian's leading the, the league like that. So, and then me seeing him in co- in college too. Like this isn't all new. He was doing that exact same thing in the Pac-12 over here. So it's just good to to see what's going on, and then I'm able to let my get my players to try to do the same thing. So you've spent your entire coaching career at UCLA, outside of one season at Texas Tech under uh, now Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm a pretty big fan of Cliff. Um, I think number, number one offense that year. Number one offense that year. Yeah. <laughs> With. I, that was my, that was a Mahomes nice year, right? Nice plug, by the yes, way. Yeah, and that was all because of the Sean Foster folks. Be <laughs> real clear about that. <laughs> you taught that Mahomes kid everything you knew, right? Everything he knew, okay? In that one scene. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> no, it's funny because I remember watching, I think it was at the Oklahoma game where there was like a crazy amount of points and each team was going back and forth. It was like one of the wildest games I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um. But what did that experience teach you, and what have you t- taken from it? Um, you know, your one year in in Lubbock. Just that if you're going to go fast, you got to practice fast. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, it's not something that you just turn on on Saturday and we're just going to go fast all of a sudden. You know, Cliff has a system and we practice it fast, and that's why we were able to score as many points as we could like that. You know, and and, and like in in. Uh, in big groups, like bunches, you know? So it just, it was just how fast we practice and, and just how much detail was in with the quarterbacks, you know? It was just good to see because, you know, you I saw that Pat had talent, you know, and you, you could tell he was a really good quarterback because the receivers weren't the best receivers, but he was still making them great. Mm-hmm. So it was just good to see that. And then coming from UCLA, I just had Josh Rosen. So that was a young Josh. I think right, was, right. You know what I mean? So that was... I missed Josh's sophomore season, but I came back his junior year. But those are still two first-round quarterback, but it's just two different guys. And just seeing them both, it was, it was pretty cool just to see how um, the quarterback position is managed, basically. Deshaun Foster is our guest, former Panthers running back, back in the glory days of cardiac cats. But, hey, there was one season now that, that really stood out to me. And it might have been a better team, Deshaun, 2005. Okay, now – Hear me out here, because I know there's a real nostalgia about 03. You're never going to match that nostalgia. There's something special about that whole ride that's unmatched. But, man, that 2005 team, God, the way the defense played, especially when Jenkins went down, and then your presence was, was ramped up. You were the leading rusher for the team that year. Steve Smith obviously won the triple crown. Jake was spot on. The line played well. Then the playoffs came, and, and you just absolutely torched. <laughs> I, I've posted this clip before 
possibly the worst playoff loss in Giants history in that stadium. I want you to tell me what it felt like that day. I've been told before there's nothing better than a road playoff win, the feeling. What was it like in the Meadowlands that day for you? We could hear each other talking. You know, we, were, we could talk to each other. It was <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't loud in there. There wasn't, you know, we we pretty much took the crowd out of that. We we just came ready to play that day. You know, the team was a we just like you said, we had a great team. We were able to run the run the ball, Smitty caught some passes. I'm not sure. Did Smitty run a punt back for a touchdown that game, I think? Smitty ran a punt back in the yeah. championship game and, and that was right okay. before halftime. And, yeah. and and he, you know, Gosh, I don't have the extent. I know he ran for a touchdown in the uh, the end around against the Giants. He had yeah, that's what it was. It was the end around. Yeah, end around. That was right after right after Lucas picked it off, and it was over at that point. I mean, and then yeah. they just they fed you and Nick the ball, and it was just Fox. You know this? He won four road playoff games. Dan Henning, Jim Skipper, guys you worked with. What a great staff! Huh? Talk about those guys. Well, see, um, Coach Skipper's son coached me at UCLA, so I had Kelly. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I had Kelly for uh, four years at UCLA, and then I had uh, Jim for six. So I've, I've, I've been with him for a long time, and it's uh, he's just a detailed man. I think that's why I'm coaching now, the detail that he, he puts into it and and how how well he manages the guys. Like, think about, you know what I mean? Think about all the dual backs that he's had and how well he's managed them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's never somebody upset. He's still able to get everybody carries. Everybody's happy. They're still competing. Right. So it's a that comes from a running back coach. That's just not the guys just being good people. Like he's able to have you buy in and commit to the team. And you know, whenever you get your shot, you're ready to go. So that just showed with Nick Owings, me, Stephen Davis, D'Angelo, Rod Smart when Rod was with us too. So oh yeah, he hate me. You know what I mean? So it's good that coach was at D Brown also when we had D. So it was just good that coach was able to keep everybody in the room competitive and still working hard and still trying to get to, to the number one goal, just win games. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back at the NFL, folks. With NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Oh, and we're going to talk about the NFC title run later. Don't worry. Before we get off the phone, I'm, I'm going to ask you something about that run. You may not have been asked before, but it was a formation you guys ran uh, back in 03 and a little bit in 04 and 05. And you know, some people call it the Philly formation, the full house formation. I've seen Steve running that. <laughs> How much did, did you get pumped up when you would see that personnel package out there? Yeah, we called it Bone. So once you hear Bone, okay. it's like, oh, yeah, we're running the rock. Let's go. There you go. You know, so I was pretty excited. You know, we usually would have either a fullback or a tight end back there, maybe two tight ends sometimes, depending on how Hoove was doing. You know, so we'd run against Tampa a lot. But it was, uh, you know, when you, you get in those situations, you just got to take advantage of it. You know, being in that offense, it was great. You know, running the ball, and you're always excited to. You know, Coach Henning always just gives us the ball. He asks you what kind of plays you like, what what you're comfortable with. But but like you said, I I, I didn't really answer that question. But you know, that 05 team was a good team. That was a really good yeah. team. So like we uh we just got a, a, just a couple of fortunate things happened to us towards the end of the season. You know, we we were able to overcome a lot of things, but in the playoffs, you know, 
I think once Nick went out, it was that was it. You know, I got hurt the week before, and then Nick got hurt in the game. Well, actually, Steven got hurt earlier. Steven so got hurt earlier. Yeah, he and Steven had a nice little barrel of touchdowns that year. I think he had ten or eleven touchdowns. He was a short yardage. Yeah, I you know, no offense to Steven, I thought they. I'm not trying to fly out of here. From a football perspective, they should have gone to you earlier because I think it was your time. But the team still thrived, and I know you're all about wins and an unselfish guy, so you'll say all the right things. But the playoff, uh, uh, you know, exodus of running backs all of a sudden, when Nick went down, I mean, when you went down, first of all, that was trouble. But then, you know, Nick's very reliable. And then when he went out, man, it was just the way you guys attacked the football game and Seattle's defense, it just didn't feel like you guys – had what you needed going in to, to make a run, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, we, we weren't able to go in there with our best foot forward. You know, it, it, once Nick went out, it was kind of – you could kind of just focus on Smitty. You know, you just yeah. on the outside, just, you know, now you're trying to force us to run the ball, and we really can stretch the field or, or get them to get in one, one-on-one situations or anything like that. So, it, it, it was just unfortunate, just the timing, you know. But that's football. That's what happens. Yeah. Yep. So – Deshaun, I want to ask you something about how the game has kind of changed in the last, like, maybe decade or two decades. And when you were playing, there was a lot of more traditional, like, formations and alignments, a lot of eye formations, the teams just really preserving and running the ball. And you've worked under two, I, I would guess, I would say more progressive coaches in Kingsbury and, and now Chip Kelly, who really like to innovate and come up with new concepts and schemes. Yeah, I started with Noel Mazzoni, too, so same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember him. Yeah. He was a, he had, yeah, he was, he was a pretty good one at UCLA um, under Jim Mora. So I'm curious though, like what have you seen, like, you know, in your time coach playing and now coaching as far as like how, um, you know, these offensive schemes have adapted and, uh, and I'll ask you a different question later about how like the run game has kind of um, compounded off that. It's just now it's 11 on 11, you know, like, Okay, when I was playing for for people to use that, they were just going to run the option. That was basically what you're going to do. You're going to run an option to make the quarterback play. You know what I mean? So now, guy, the team has to account for him. Now the option is just the RPO. So I can still run this ball, but now I can just throw it downfield instead of pitch it. So it's basically the same thing. It's just, right. you know what I mean? They're just finding a different way to get you to that to play eleven on eleven. You have to account for the quarterback. You know, and it's just a. It's a brilliant scheme. Like, those are two, like, all of the OCs that I've been around are, were really special. You know, we had Jed Fish for a year also, too. He's a quarterback coach with the Patriots. But, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But it's been – it's just weird just how the game has turned. But I think it's going to come back around. You know, I think they're going to start playing with 12 personnel again, 11 personnel 12, 13. Yeah, and just to jump in, just jumping on that point, I think, you know, one guy that we've talked about is Joe Brady uh, in Carolina. He learned under Sean Payton. And, you know, Sean, Sean has always been consistent with that. I mean, he he's vertical. He likes to, to, to set things up down the field. He loves to pound that ball in 21 and 12. And he's one guy that's been consistent over the years with that. So I think you're right. Well, if you think about the personnels now, just think about the personnels of defenses, you know. So if you come in there with – 13 personnel, you got three tight ends on the field. Like, do they have those type of linebackers? Right. You know, or are these more just cover guys or are they, you know, so it's just a, it's just a scheme thing. You know, that's it's Kyle, Kyle Shanahan just ruining people's lives with that right now. <laughs> exactly. Same, oh. you know, we can just run stretch, let you run and we can pull yeah. it up. 
you know, so it's a, it's just funny just to see how everybody gets to their. With that being said, what, there's a lot of discussion and analysis that's come out either, you know, in different circles, but in recent years, there's just been the discussion about the value of a running back and, um, in general, I would say the value of running the football. I, I think most people would agree that throwing the football is more important and it certainly provides more value for your team. Um, but at the same time, if you look at a team like the 49ers, they kind of base a lot of their uh, concepts and principles off the run game. Um, what, how do you see that kind of distinction moving forward? It's just unfortunate that they're getting away from that. But I'm glad that these guys are really coming in and, and changing it. And it just comes in that the guy's got to come in from college and be effective early. You know, you can't – because usually you'll get platooned and maybe they'll platoon you with another guy, a veteran or something like that. But now the guys are coming in and able to produce that they're going to have to value the running back again. It's just all in – I mean, let's go to college football right now. All right, so the last few years, all the teams that make the playoff, there might be a passing team that makes it, but they're not going to win any games, you know. And then let's go to the NFL. How many teams have a quarterback that should be throwing the ball 30 times? Right. Think about it. Kirk doesn't right now probably. (laughs) No knock on Teddy, but um, there's not a lot of it. And certainly Kyle Allen was throwing up to 48 passes a game at some point. And it was a – you have McCaffrey back there. There's just – I agree with you, Deshaun Disco. I mean, they do it their way, and they do it with 12, uh, 13 personnel, and then they do spread it out. But the core of what they do obviously starts with the the stretch and the run concepts and everything's off of that. it's it's fasting. I, my question for you leading into that, you know, we talked about Joe Brady, and, and I don't know how much you follow Carolina right now. I know you've got your hands full out there out west, but I know you keep a close eye on the league and what's going on. Now, this is an interesting dynamic in Carolina. Matt Rule is a college coach. He did great work at Baylor, Temple, uh, spent one year with the Giants as an assistant. Joe Brady, obviously, is the up-and-coming brainchild offensively, and, and he's very well celebrated for that. Spent some time under Sean Payton, but has never called a play on the pro level. And then Phil Snow, very well-respected college coordinator with very little NFL experience. And, and, you know, Chip Kelly, who obviously you know well, you work for the guy, he tried this approach in Philly, but he built an NFL staff. I mean, he had guys at his side that had the experience. And Matt, one thing I look at in terms of how they've built this that I'm fairly critical of is they have really lack that. They've got Al Holcomb and a couple guys on staff that have experience, but do you put stock into that? I mean, do you feel like a staff needs to have that experience, like an associate head coach with prior experience? Does that mean anything? I mean, it's I, – I don't mean just – like they don't – it's not necessarily need it, but you need some sort of feel for the game because it's a different game. It's a different game, right? Yeah. But it's not – you know what I mean? Like it's not – it's not the twilight zone. Like you're not going to be in there and have no idea what's going on. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I, it's they're all, com- they're competent guys. I mean, I, yeah. and obviously you know, they know football, but I, I think. It, but experience helps. We're not going to sit there and act like experience doesn't help. You yeah, know? right. That's nothing over. It helps. That's why some of these veteran coaches have, that's why they can continue to get rehired because they have that experience. But, you know, um, 
Phil Snow was with me at UCLA here. He was our DC. So okay. Wow. Yeah, good to have him. I don't know now, how I overlooked that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, my role was a GA when I was in school. So it, it was, it's just good to see where he's, where he's gone. You like Phil? Pretty good, pretty good dude, right? Yeah. Phil's good. All the, all the DBs that I, that I played with, they love him. You know, so they, they all love him. Ricky Manning loves him. Um, Jason Bell. Ricky Manning. Gosh, yeah, yeah there's some yeah. names. Jason yeah. Bell. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help you soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. Now, a lot of CBD products claim organic, but contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, or body balm for targeted relief. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But only till Labor Day, folks. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Christian McCaffrey. Yes. He is obviously amazing. I mean, I'm not breaking news here. But he does so much more than run the ball. And he's got a great gift that he inherited from his dad. The footwork, the route running, the hands, the instincts. If you're an offensive coordinator, which I think you're heading in that direction pretty soon, you've got a bright future, man. How would you deploy him? You just don't handcuff him. So any way we can get him the ball, you just find ways to get him the ball. And it's not carries, it's touches. Everything with right. him is touches. Where it doesn't, you know what I mean? So we just got to get the ball in his hands some kind of way. And that's how you just have to approach that. Because he can do so much for you. He can return punts if you needed him to. Like, it's just, his skill level is just off the charts. You know, just like I said, just watching him in the Pac-12 when he was here, he was dominating us. And it was it was just amazing just to really see him because he was running power. Like Stanford was just running power. Yeah. And, you know, his patience, you can see his feet, his feet working, his patience that he had, and then his, his burst is what's really – who, who does he remind you of? What, who, what, how would you compare him? Was there any player in particular from your era or in the 80s, 90s that you would, you would look at and say, man, he just looks and runs like that guy? I like, like he has patience like Arian Foster. Right. You know what I mean? But I'm not going to say he's that, like that type of runner because right. Arian was a little more upright, but it's just the patience that he had, you know? He's just so patient. And when you can see that, it's just moving in slow motion for him. You know what I mean? Like he's he's able to – he's already – he's not reacting to what's happened. He's already anticipating what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? So it's just the sky's the limit for him. I'm just glad that he's able to raise the bar for the running backs and get everybody else to do the same. You know, he, he raised the money, so hopefully these other guys can come in there and yeah. continue to be successful and, and, you know, bring their running back position back because every team you have to run the ball. Just the weather when when the type of when it, when the playoffs hit, just what's going on, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? 
you have to be able to run the ball. You have very few exceptions in that regard. I'd say, you know, Mahomes is one guy that can and perhaps carry it without that degree of it, but even he needs some balance. And you're exactly right. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, the, 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 the great teams that sustain. I go back to, you know, New Orleans, and I have Sean Payton, and not a lot of Panthers fans feel good about that guy at all, but I respect the hell out of the way he runs his offense. And I think he got a lot of that from Parcells when he worked under him. The, yeah. You know, the balance of, you know, hey, we got to line up, and the four-minute offense is crucial. Sean builds that lead, and when it's time to close it out, man, his offense is one of the best closers in the business. I mean, I, you just look at the tape, and it's there. All right, look, last question for Deshaun Foster. I've posted this clip, and I've annoyed the hell out of you on Twitter, but I'm sure the longest yard. Okay, so you're in Philly, right? And it's 7-3, to three, NFC Championship game. No one's got your back on. I mean, everybody in the world says, this is Philly's time, you know. Take us inside that run, man. Take it, you know, gosh, for the atmosphere and the fans and all that. Dude, what was it? Did it feel like it took 100 years, man? It did. Yeah. It did. It, did. it was just, you know, because the play got strung out. And then at that, after that point, like I was saying, I was just trying not to go out of bounds. So that's why, like, once I got, okay, so – I think Dawkins, Hoover blocked Dawkins, and Doc turned the play inside. So I got underneath that block and then tried to get back outside, but I didn't want to just run to the sideline. So as I was getting back outside, I noticed that the linebacker was right there. So all I could do was attack him. And fortunately, he actually went for the strip. He tried to strip the ball, missed it. And that's what got me by him. Never strip first, man. Always go for the tackle and then let the second guy get the, get the punch, right? Exactly. Um, and they, they paid a price. And, you know, one thing I love about that play, your boy Brad Hoover, your lead blocker, I don't know if you saw the tape where he gets up. And Dawkins, I love Brian Dawkins. He's a great local guy here, awesome player. But Dawkins got up and, you know, he, the play was over for him. And Hoover gets up in a full sprint like Rudy Rudiger and he gives you a little nudge. Did, did, you, did you feel that? Did you notice that? I didn't notice it until I saw the film. Yeah. yeah. But that's who. That's exactly yeah. who. You know what I mean? That play right there just shows exactly who Brad Hoover was, you know, as a fullback. And it was just good that, you know, he was on our side. But, but like I said, the Cartier Cats, that's just how we played the game. There might be – there's a couple other guys. I think uh, Matt Willick fell down. He kind Matt of, Willick, yep. Yeah, I think he might have tried to trip somebody to get, you know, like just Matt, – Matt looks like a Game of Thrones character. He took a <laughs> – he took a – he was like Braun. He took a tumble in the earth shook. It was – I love Matt, man, but it, when he went down, I was like, oh, God, because I saw right away, oh, 71's down, Deshaun's going to lose three. And I – man, my, my family and I, my friends, we were just going nuts over that one, man. It got great memory. And one of the reasons we, we love having Deshaun Foster on our show here is uh, some of the greats. By the way, the 33-yard touchdown run in the Super Bowl where you broke Steve Smith in half who was trying to block for you is the sixth longest in NFL Super Bowl history, by the way. Um, and just great stuff. Deshaun, we hope to do this again, man. I appreciate your time. Anything we can get out there for you, plugs or your program, anything you want to talk about? Um, just I have a special needs camp that I have um, every year, basically just for special needs kids to come out and play football. You know, um, yeah. uh, just each team has a challenger. Each league has a challenger team. So we just try to get out there and just let them have fun for all day and everything. So. It's just a special needs camp that I've been doing since I've been coaching, and, you know, I just enjoy that. And that's just basically where all my energy goes. Awesome stuff, man. Great work on that front. Keep pounding, man. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.